What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is uh, episode number 292. And I'm here, as always, with my two co-hosts. Ron. <laughs> Ron! Ron. <laughs> it's always like, you know, it's like a deer in the headlights kind of like look on your face. Like, you, you, you hear me go into it, and then, like, you know you're next. Yeah. But you still have, like, the, Ron. Well, but normally yeah. what Ronald says is, I'm Ron. And then I yes. so 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 grammatically you say I'm Steve and or I'm St- I'm Steve and I'm here with and he'll say I'm Ron <laughs> and then I have the choice of whether I say and I'm John or whether I go along with your sentence structure and just say and John but either way I sound yeah. kind of I sound kind of funny so uh, <clears throat> we got to yeah. get it straight one of these days well we got yeah. that out of the way people know who we are hopefully three times over now right if you don't already know if you're subscribed to this podcast it's good branding you do, if, you're if you're new yeah. If, yeah. you're, if you're new, you know for sure who each of us are, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. Uh, yeah. This is uh, We're going to get a couple things covered in this podcast. We're going to kind of circle back. Uh, we talked a little bit last week on the episode about South by Southwest, the, the virtual 2021 festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Now that you know we got to see the other half of it, when we recorded last week, we were kind of in day two of four. So... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of catch up on that, talk about some of the standouts for us. And again, we can just kind of mention some overall experience uh, feelings for this uh, second festival of the pandemic that we were able to participate in. And then we're going to be talking about a new film that's available uh, called Happily. And uh, we'll kind of round out the episodes with some extra stuff that we've been watching just to mention, put on your radar um, to make sure that you check those out as well. So before we get into South By, there was a couple of things that came up or one main thing that came up that's been a pretty hot topic on this podcast, especially since, you know, COVID uh, kind of became a huge topic of the, you know, the topic of the year. It's just these rotating shifting windows of how movies are coming out, when they're coming out, where you can see them, how much they're going to cost. Um, and we, if you listen to our side show our side video uh, vlog series that we have on YouTube uh, called Marvel Schmarvel last week's episode, uh, we discussed the first episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series on Disney+. Plus. We talked a lot about just the idea of what Disney was going to do with Black Widow. And uh, we kind of had some opinions on that. And then just timed perfectly, a, a day or so later, uh, you know, the news broke that um, Disney is moving the film uh, back a couple months and also doing the whole premiere access on the platform, on the Disney Plus platform. Um, I guess let's start with, real quick, Marvel, Black Widow, any any topic, any feelings, anything right now that you want to just mention before we we'll probably talk about it more on the podcast this weekend. I mean, on the episode this weekend for episode two of Falcon Winter Soldier. But um, any feelings overall that you want to put out to the uh, listeners? Um, this feels like a pawn sacrifice. This feels like a submission to the people to kind of say, hey, that you know, Cruella's. They were they announced Cruella's coming out and. Scarlet, um, I'm sorry, Black Widow's coming out. And I think they're going to yeah. put these movies forward. And this will be a test study. It's because, you know, they spent the most money on the marketing for this. This will be the one that they test. If this does well, then this sets us kind of, you know, it, it, it's an option. But I think yeah. that if this fails, then no, this isn't. this will never happen again. Or at least not for something this valuable. So... John. In the mar- in the MCU at least, yeah. I mean, I th- I think it's kind of interesting that it's like the answer 
to our question from before was like, oh, it's going to be both. They're both going to move yeah. it, and they're going to make it available uh, at home, you know, uh, on the same date as release. Like, we knew somehow they wouldn't do that for May, but doing that in July makes it more viable. Um, yeah, it, it just feels like in a strange way they're getting this movie out of the way, but it also causes a ripple through their whole release schedule, uh, you know, that I imagine goes forward movie after movie after movie getting new dates at this point. But at this point, have they only announced the two date changes, Shang-Chi and, and Black Widow, or have they announced any other? Yeah, movies? I, I think those are the only two Marvel properties that were, I think there was a bunch, I think it was a total of like eight or nine that got, uh, that were a part of the announcement. Some of them were the Fox properties like free guy. Um, they mentioned Luca, uh, it's going to be a Disney plus exclusive, you know, they're kind of doing the same yeah. thing they did with soul. Um, with that so that's going to be it's like interesting I think my biggest take is that like you know it's interesting how they're kind of putting the Pixar titles out as the you know included with your subscription and some of the Disney animation Marvel stuff um, are the ones that they're doing the premier access for and I, I'd be curious um, I don't know I'd be curious to see like what the what the logic or what the test like the testing the numbers are behind that i guess the pixar films probably feel like the most wide reaching and probably the safest bet for the platform uh like mm. family wise um but you know i guess so could a movie like ryan the last dragon i mean like which they just put out a couple weeks ago and that was a part of the the you know the, the premium or premier access as well uh, on Disney Plus, but yeah, I don't know, pretty big move, and it was kind of ironic because just the day before, or even the morning of, I think, Regal announced that they're going to be reopening their theaters finally after I think having been closed, I think it's been like six months or something, or uh, maybe at least that. Um, but they're one of the you know one of the top three in the country that are now reopening um, to the sound of the big Marvel movie not opening uh, in May. So it's like just shit timing for them. I don't know how they're going to respond to that, but you know, it's caused a lot of shifting in the, in this calendar, you know, like quiet place two is now kind of like the movie that opens the summer. I saw they just moved spiral up a couple weeks before quiet place two now to kind of have a couple weeks lead on that. Um, so there are still titles coming out. So, I mean, I think that, you know, they're trying to make some version of a summer movie season happen in theaters, just, I guess, whatever they can do within the confines of what, you know, states allow because of the you know restrictions for COVID and whatnot but um we'll see it's interesting i mean it seems like it's, it's kind of wild to me that like if you think about the major players like it seems like everybody really but like sony um and i guess maybe warner brother no yeah i guess sony has like made some sort of amendment to their window releasing you know, yeah. through this whole year that we've experienced this, all the major studios have come to some sort of agreement, even if there's a little bit of, you know, uh, tension between them and the exhibitors. But like, you know, Universal and Disney and Warner and Paramount now with Paramount Plus um, and those titles coming to the platform 45 days after or at least select ones. Um, so it is interesting that like, you know, if you think about all those players, those are all players that have some sort of over the top option as well like disney plus paramount plus hbo max like things like that mm -hmm. um but sony really doesn't um yet um but uh i don't know they're and they're they're one of the ones that really hasn't put much out at all and you know especially moving venom 
off of the summer uh, slot to the fall. Um, and it's just really weird to see like how they've been really flexing those windows a lot through this last year. And I'm sure they, they'll probably keep changing depending on, like Ronald said, how well Black Widow does, you know, or how yeah. well Cruella does. Um, things like that just give them even more incentive to really like in a stick it to the exhibitors, I guess, you know, like if they can make that much money, I mean, Oh man, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. It's a, it's evolving, obviously. Um, any other news tidbits you guys wanted to mention? Uh, did you have anything, John? Did you have anything? Warner Brothers announcing the that the all of the movies are pretty much gonna be in theaters and not go on HBO Max, right? Like it's that's essentially what they announced, right? Like there's not gonna be any like simultaneous release in theater uh, HBO Max release and theater release as well. Like they, there's no simultaneous. Did you see that? No. Um. So. Yeah, I didn't see that either because yeah, that because they made <laughs> big waves by kind of announcing the opposite. Uh, yeah, it says. I, th- I guess twenty twenty two is when they they've kind of mentioned that um, the theater only releases will be with a forty five. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Limited, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you meant the ones this year that they'd already. No, said no, no. I apologize. Yeah. So twenty twenty two. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I guess the idea is like if if you got this service for that, um, you're not gonna get it next year, which is <laughs> so savor it now, enjoy it while you can, because um, it's gonna be back to well they they like to believe back to normal um, next year. So, which is interesting. I, I guess that's just like it's like the swinging pendulum of like the extremities of like what they can do with their platform yeah. coming out the day and date. And then still wanting to work with an exhibitor and saying, okay, well, like in 2022, the Warner's deal is that, it's, or at least with Regals, they announced was like 45 days uh, yeah. after it comes out in theaters, you know, that they would, <clears throat> they'd be able to put it on the platform, which is just like Paramount announced with the Paramount Plus stuff, like with Quiet Place 2. And I think Top Gun Maverick, they had said like our titles that will come out in theaters. And then, you know, the window is basically half to 45 days to try wow. to get it on the platform. So. Yeah, and I think it'll it'll probably change, you know, like it'll it'll probably shift even more, I'm sure, as they see if people go back to movie theaters as much as they did. I mean, it's just going to be such an interesting wait and see kind of thing, but yeah. um, we we will do that, obviously. Yes, um, <laughs> we're waiting and seeing. <laughs> we will. That's wait. What you can do? Just, that's all you can do. <laughs> um, cool. So let's let's jump into South by. Um, we kind of ran through just some quick things last week that we were able to see before we recorded, which was, you know, a pretty small window for us, but I guess just like kind of go around and mention, you know, we'll mention some things that stood out to us some things that we watched that we want to make sure everybody knows about for when, mm-hmm. when, and if it gets picked up, if it doesn't already have distribution, but I mean, what have you, what was your big takeaway from South by in terms of what you saw that really stuck with you or that, you know, you really enjoyed. Um, John, you want to go first? I like when you go first. Oh, I was just thinking how nice it is when someone else goes first. <laughs> I, I could go first. I, I actually, because I, I don't think I saw as many movies after we did the the first section as you guys may have. So, mm, um, I want mm. to I want to listen and learn a little bit. <clears throat> sure. So, um, the last uh, two days, um, this was a top heavy festival. 
that kind of tapered off to, in, in the last two days, which I noticed. Um, that kind of the heavy hitters were the first two days, and then it, you know, the last day or so really yeah. didn't have a lot of movies. I mean, that was I don't know if that's because the the IRL version, the the you know the the in person version would have had the heavy hitters towards the end. And maybe that was kind of the deal, but um, that was my takeaway. But in terms of standouts to me, um, there was, um, let me find out the other. Uh, Language Lessons, uh, the Natalie Morales movie, which starred Natalie Morales and uh, Mark Duplass, was a crazy standout to me um, that I did not see um the first time that we spoke about it um it's 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 a um it's a social socially distanced movie for most of it um it's about a a gentleman that's in a relationship and his partner gets him um <laughs> uh essentially a hundred uh spanish lessons um mark duplass's character has some knowledge of spanish so natalie morales and him kind of have an exchange and and it gets really heavy really quick, and um, it's it's really essentially just Zoom meetings that that are incredibly well done, which and subtitles for the Spanish. So um, that is an amazing use of the medium, especially now. Like you know, it, it feels like this yeah. cool time where you'll you'll only see these particular movies now. So I I, I enjoyed that one. Um, in between girl uh, I don't know any really of the, any of the players but uh, it's about a young um, Asian American woman who is in high school and um, an in between girl for a guy and just the heartache of how it feels to be someone's kind of transitional uh, you know partner uh, especially when you're like a teenager you know this heightened emotions you know you just getting familiar with sex and things like that. Um, that was a cool standout. Um, Clerk, which I kind of mentioned before, uh, the documentary about Kevin Smith, uh, Ninja Baby, the Norwegian movie. And uh, I wanted to finish it off with two that, that were like two of my favorites besides language lessons. That was Alien on Stage, which was probably one of the funniest docs I've ever seen. I don't know if you guys had the pleasure of seeing it. And then the yeah. Amazon limited series, Them. Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing the first two episodes of Them, which is kind of a... Uh, <clears throat> uh, it takes place in the 40s, I'm pretty sure. And it's about a black couple, um, a black family that comes into... Compton in the 40s or early 50s and moves in and is pretty much tortured by uh, the neighbors. It is, you know, kind of in the vein of us and, um, you know, Lovecraft Country kind of has those, those two feels. Like a lot of people said that the, the trailer felt very uh, Jordan Peele-ish, but it has its own voice. It really is very distinctly different from him believe it or not because a lot of people are like it has to be jordan peele but it's it's not little little melvin uh really makes this a very distinct sort of feel to it it's beautiful it's well shot and acted by two british people who who are 
Americans, uh, but uh, who, who are playing Americans in it. But incredibly well done show. Um, so those are my standouts. Um, overall, I did like the experience. I, I, the, the schedule was utterly confusing. I got to say that. The most confusing thing I've ever seen in my life. And I deal with a lot of my, my job is to troubleshoot things like schedules. And it was hard to understand how it worked. But, you know, you and I figured something out eventually. But I'd say that was my take. Yeah, I think the big thing with the schedule, I kind of agree with you. I think ultimately what it came down to for me was just finding the movie you wanted and just yes. and registering for it. Because, yeah. it, I mean, really, the schedule, with the exception of like three or four movies, the schedule really did not factor into anything, really, no. you know, except for like when they when they were available. Yeah. Because, like, you know, they had a really cool thing where, again, with the exception of, like, I think three movies, four, like, you basically had them uh, on demand access to these titles, like, um, for, the, for the run of the festival, like, once they premiered. And mm -hmm. some of them were available early. Some of them were even available post-festival. But yeah. I think that was the, you know, I, I agree. The schedule was definitely, like, really tough digitally to kind of keep track of. Um, but I think it just came down to, like, because they had that window to watch any time that's what worked for me like i don't think i watched anything at the time that it actually premiered i don't uh you know everything was like after the fact you know or when yeah. i could watch it which was which i thought was that that was huge like i thought if, if that wasn't the case i wouldn't have watched half of what i watched and i got to yeah. watch like a ton of stuff so um i didn't know that it was like you, supermarket sweep i didn't know that like you just had to like <laughs> go and grab everything you just hit register that's it. All of it, like even if you didn't want to watch it, you may change your mind. But it was like, well, because most of them were unlimited. Well, most of it was unlimited, like in yeah. terms of like the seats. But like they had like the features in the different narrative and dot com categories that yeah. some of them were like limited to like a thousand, two thousand, six thousand seats. Those are the ones like you really did have to like try to get quick. Yeah. Um, but even most of those didn't even really sell out like until yeah. later in the festival. But um, yeah, I don't know. John, what, what, yeah, what, uh, what were you going to say? Know, I don't have much to add that about the experience uh, that we didn't yeah, say yeah. last I mean, week yeah. as far as like the, um, you know, that, that part of it seemed like it made perfect sense to me. Once I figured out that they were going to stay available as opposed to looking at yeah. that time it gave, because it would give a weird exact down to the minute window for like the, the <laughs> what the runtime of the program would be. I guess that would be the movie plus whatever little bumpers and announcements would be in the front yeah. of it. And so once I realized, oh, that's not really the window during which you have to watch the movie, it was it was pretty clear. But it was still pretty nerve-wracking. The first time you try something like that, you're like, okay, did I just miss this? Or, oh, wait, no, right. I didn't. And then you'd see the little, little watch here would pop up. Uh, and I have to say, that confused me a little bit, that that had to be separate from the from the main listing of the movie, but again, once I got once I got used to it, so I think this online festival experience, I mean, it's so much more inclusive. Just from the fact that we have now done a Sundance episode and we got to do a South by Southwest episode, that wouldn't have happened uh, in prior years. So I mean, I'm all for this new wave of festivals. You know, doing something online, um, it kind of makes me think of the earlier topic about the, you know, the movie theaters reopening and hoping for audiences to be back where they were. I would kind of hope that we find that audience back in the theater and that we get to have that that communal experience again. But I would also love to think that this year of everybody being at home and and having these different options, I would like to hope that it like it does pinpoint a new audience 
that exists that can't make it to film festivals and maybe can't even make it to the theater. Um, So I would hope that we're not seeing just the the, the one time, two times that they try this virtual version of the festivals. You know, theaters, everything. I would hope that this respect being paid to the fact that for some people getting to the theater or getting to a festival especially is a luxury. Uh, I would hope that that lingers in the minds of people and, and that maybe they see that, you know... If it's about if art's about communication, <laughs> if that's about reaching an audience, um, yeah. you know uh, that this is this has been a good democratizing of of that stuff. So yeah, I feel it felt really cool to be plugged in in the way that we were to these festivals, we having access to just kind of like you said, Ronald, just supermarket sweep, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, but like salad bar, whatever, just grabbing everything you want and saying, oh, I'll try this, mm-hmm. I'll try that. Um, uh, no, that was a that was a fun way to experience it, because you know if we were there yeah. physically, we would have been you know you'd be running around, you'd be making tough choices between one movie and another. There's a certain excitement yeah. to that, but if it's about just watching this stuff, I mean, wow, what a great way this was uh, to make it to bring the festival yeah. home. Absolutely. As far as things you watched though, Steve, what what have you watched since we last talked that that was noteworthy to you? Well, the one I was going to mention one short that I, I think I maybe mentioned it quickly when we were on the other other episode, but um, since then it, it it won one of the uh, jury awards, um, like the special midnight jury award for like awards like Bold Vision. It was called it's called Stuffed. I don't know if either of you checked that out, but it's like no. a nineteen twenty minute short. It's a it's a like a dark rom drum musical. Um, about a woman basically searching the dark web. She's a taxidermist and she's searching the dark web for like a human uh, oh, wow. volunteer to uh, to stuff and to have uh, uh, a forever home on her uh, <laughs> mantle of specimens. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. If you have anybody, if it sounds, if it, it is really, it was really good. It was really interesting. And I, and I also saw the announcer making a feature version of it. Um, but it's just like she finds this guy and, you know, and they're they're the way they find each other kind of like makes the her question what's what her what she wants to do with him. Um, but I don't know that I thought that was one of the better shorts I saw. And it, and it, it won a, a fun award, which I think is pretty apt. It's called, you know, for a bold vision. But um, that's called Stuffed. Um I mean, I don't think we really talked about it that much, but the Lost Sons. Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. I mentioned that last week as one that I saw, but I, I knew you guys hadn't seen it yet, or yeah, or we we didn't have time really to talk about it. But yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, so I really liked that one. Um, that's a that's going to be a CNN. I don't know exactly how they're premiering that, but that's like a CNN uh, films and raw production. That same group that did like uh, Three Identical Strangers and The uh, Imposter, which are two docs that I love. Um, but yeah, this basically is like a, you know, stranger than fiction, true story about a, uh, a baby basically taken, uh, after he was born from a hospital and a missing child and a child that reappears a few years later. And they, you know, think it's the child that went missing. And then as that child grows into a man, uh, starts to question whether that was actually, uh, him, you know, like if, if those are his parents, or even and just what really happened during that that time. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He's trying to figure out it's what just, that, uh, what that, what that year and a half or whatever, what that was. You're right. Yeah, and it's it's like a, it's an interesting. Uh, some of it doesn't really work so great for me. Like a lot of the stuff, like with the 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 main subject and like you know, and him and his life and with his family and stuff like that. I thought it was a little, 
maybe overproduced or overdramatic. Um, but I think the story itself and just like the people that they talk to and just the idea of, you know, um, like a kid finding uh, a pile of papers about like a missing kid, you know, and asking his parents, what's this about? Uh, and, and then, you know, years later, uh, kind of going on this deep dive at the cost of like, you know, a lot of things in his life and their lives to try to figure out what was going on. I found the I cost that was really to be the most interesting, interesting. part of yeah. it, really, because the rest of it was starting to feel like, oh, you kind of, I mean, again, it was an interesting story, but you kind of start to fill in the details in your head as to what it could be. But I thought it was interesting. I know you, I know what you're saying about over-dramatizing, like the why we should care about this particular person and their family and their life and the kind of way it was treated. But I did think when yeah. it got to that point of just like, oh, wow, this guy's not just a subject in a documentary. He's a guy with with parents and siblings and people that might wonder why he's making his life, why he's upturning his life to find out the truth. And I thought that part was kind of interesting, but it is interesting. And yeah. I think what I said to you guys last week was the subject of this documentary, you kind of end up having weird feelings about him because of the yeah. way it comes off during that section. And I think the documentary lets you have that feeling of like, wait, how, how should we feel about this person's quest just for information yeah. and you know what that can mean to people's lives? Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. It does. It felt. It felt like it. It. The Oxycontin Kings did the same, or the Oxy Kings did the same. Oxy Kingpins, pardon me, did the same thing Kingpins, for me, yeah. which is like it felt like it was a good treatment of a subject and it was well made. But somehow the scope or the story that it's it's hinting at it. These felt like small documentaries about big yeah. subjects in a way. Um, and yeah. and in both cases, I thought like, oh yeah, I guess this is a couple layers away from being like one of those mind blowing documentaries. It's more like interesting and well done, and you know, yeah. okay, it's got some issues in it, but it it feels like focusing on a particular person and their particular story. Often it gives yeah. it gives you that window to the bigger story, but other times it kind of keeps the window kind of small, and so you get to the end and you realize, oh, that was interesting, but what I really just watched was kind of a human interest story. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah, I like. I actually, yeah, the actually Kingpins was another one I saw after the last episode, which I, I, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I, I do um, think it's like a much bigger that, especially, is a much bigger uh, topic. But I kind of like, I kind of like that the approach for that was that they were really just like focused in on that lawyer and the case, um, really trying to have the you know the manufacturers and the distributors and the pharmacies and all this stuff like basically just like really uh make a make awareness of what their role in all of it is you know beyond the fact of just like you know these manufacturers of these drugs that are highly addictive and you know just the statistics just like are mind-blowing um you know I, it's just like it's not just like the profiteers of like the manufacturing element. It's like when they when they start talking about like a pharmacy prescribing four million pills, you know, in a That's town that is nuts. like like fucking like three thousand people, yeah. you know, how in God's name do you fill those prescriptions? Like how would someone even consume them? You know, and just like it does kind of hint at like the large scale trade, you know, across the country and the trafficking of the drugs and everything. But it really, like, I feel like the most interesting part of this series for me, or this doc for me, it really is the idea that there are gangsters, there are drug dealers, there are people out there, and those, unfortunately, become the face of this pandemic. And, like, you know, the idea of the, 
you know, who, who people think of when they think of who is giving people drugs. But what this doc is really trying to do is really kind of make it uh, very clear that the real like backing of it all is these people that we're talking about are the people in suits, are the manufacturers, the distributors, the pharmacies, you know, and, and just how they how they approach the whole thing. When you see footage of them talking about their accountability and their responsibility and the whole thing and how they kind of deceive um, like through sales rep language and things like that, like of the drugs, like it, it's just disgusting. Yeah. And I mean, that stuff is just, um, you know, understanding the reach of what these drugs, you know, the impact that they have on entire communities and cities um, in these states that they talk about in the doc, especially even where they end up with this lawsuit in Nevada in Las Vegas. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. I thought that was a pretty good doc too. No, but, um, no, I, I do agree that the, the, that stuff, again, it's something you always kind of knew, but seeing them illustrate it with those numbers, especially when they had the woman yeah. processing all the, all the requests for like whatever that more pills over the uh, normal amount that they would have and that there's right. like so many right. hundreds of requests within a day and each one of them are supposed yep. to be vetted carefully but there's no way they can be um no it's crazy to think that that part of it is like you said it's such a big part of it and untangling that is really hard because that's where uh people with a lot of money who <laughs> who aren't thought of as criminals or at least not by a lot of people who where, where they're making their money and it's much harder to untangle yeah. that than it is just to bust some guy on the street um for sure selling selling pills but um no yeah I, and, and i do think focusing on that lawyer it became as much of a thing about him i mean it's kind of like the other yeah. the lost sons in a way it's like it's got a central character who's a pretty compelling guy you know um yeah and so it was interesting to see him kind of talk about why he's on this crusade and to watch him putting together uh, the case, um, yeah, it is it is an interesting doc. But I mean, I could easily watch, you know, uh, I could have watched the bird's eye view, uh, big story version of that too. That really does get into the corrupt pharmaceutical companies and everything else. Oh yeah. But as far as a human view of this, it, you're right. This is a, um, it, it is a pretty good character to follow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, um, other things I saw, I don't know, I was just going to throw out there that um, since we last talked, the only ones I was able to watch were The Spine of Night, Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break, and then another doc, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. Um, the, of those three, the, the doc was the winner. Uh, uh, really? Yeah, Woodland, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched is like a three-hour-long documentary, and it is kind of one of those documentaries where at a certain point it's a list of things with explanations of them. Mm. It's talking about movies throughout the history of movies that have done this yeah. this treatment of what we call folk horror. It's that's a term that has existed. Um, uh, you know, it has as not the genre. If you think of it, that is maybe older than the term. But people have been using this term to denote a kind of horror that's that's born of like folk tradition and small town tradition and and just old traditions bleeding into the new world and how like if you think of movies like the wicker man or uh, even movies like kill list different things where there's kind of like the presence of some kind of cult that's existing behind a modern event um and they've got you know different runes and symbols like the i would say like the little uh stick dolls in blair witch are very folk horror ish um so I think there's a there's a lot of stuff that can be thrown into folk horror. It's one of those things where in the doc you can see them start to bend the rules a little bit as they talk about what could be extrapolated from this. But just the 
the first hour and a half even when they're talking about like the early movies that could be considered part of this genre I, it's the kind of thing where I, sh- I, I wanted to be sitting there just lit, just writing down a list of like they would show a clip from a movie with the name of the movie up on the screen and it would be something I'd never heard of or they would talk about a book or they would talk about a show and it's just like there must have been a hundred movies and shows and books that they talked about in this documentary that sounded really interesting and cool because this this kind of subgenre of horror folk horror is kind of in my wheelhouse in, in terms of like it ticks a lot of the boxes for me of what I like about the genre so in that sense it was an amazing like oh my god there's so much they've they done so much of that cool deep digging in the pop culture it's one of those documentaries that really shows the research, like you wonder what the clearances must have been like on this movie to get clips because it's just one after another for three hours, you know? Um, yeah. And, but I would say it is a bit of a barrage. It's it's a documentary that I almost think could have been a, a, a four-episode television show or something uh, if it was broken down a little differently because it, it would be a little more digestible that way. But I'm glad I watched it, and I'm glad that one day it will be out in some form probably, and it will exist as a kind of launching point for research or like an encyclopedia overview of of this stuff because yeah i love that kind of digging in the trenches and and finding obscure movies and stuff that you know you might not have heard of particularly in horror a genre where even the cult classics have been kind of dragged into the light of day and beaten to death um so it was yeah really cool really interesting really fun if you like this kind of content but also um yeah at three hours it was a lot of information and it started to feel a little (laughs) bit like a lecture at certain points you know um and then as far as Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break, you know, I, I found it kind of amusing in some spots. It had some some good humor and some good little character bits in it. I don't know if it ever quite found, found a tone. It's kind of a dark British comedy. Um, and then The Spine of Night, I, I don't know if you guys watched that one, but that's been getting a lot of press because I think of just what it is. It's kind of a throwback animation movie that's done almost in the style of the old heavy metal uh, animation from that movie um, or the... Um, uh, the Bakshi film Wizards, where it's rotoscoped human action, where they animate drawing over, you know, clips of people, so that the animation has this particular kind of motion to it, um, right? And, and this particular kind of look and feel to it. And I found that kind of interesting. It was it was a little episodic as a movie. It was a little uh, dragged for me in some spots, but I do think it's cool whenever somebody fully realizes something like that. Um, so Spine of Night was pretty right. interesting. Uh, Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break had some high moments that I enjoyed, but the the docs kind of carried the day for me uh, this round. Um, and I, th- yeah. I wonder, I mentioned this to you guys last time about just, are they just easier to settle into because they, they somehow are less demanding because they're literally reaching out and telling you what they're trying to tell you. <laughs> I wonder if yeah. that's it, but it's, it's just easier for me to sit yeah. down with a doc these days than it is to sit down with a quote-unquote indie film, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right. I think because you cut, you know what you're getting into, man. A lot of the movies have these vague descriptions. You're coming in, you're like, okay, so this is what, what, what is this about? And then your know, documentary is like, this person killed this person. They're gonna get it. You know, yeah. are they gonna get away with it? Right. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm in. You know, so the um, did you guys watch Sasquatch? Yes, I did. You guys yes. you finish it up, like finish up all three? Yeah, yeah. yeah did you got? What did you think of it? I loved the first one. It kind of lost steam for me as it went along with the second yeah, two episodes. Yeah it's, def- yeah, it's the opposite of what I just said about Woodland's Dark and Days Bewitched. It needed to be like a documentary. It needed to be like a 100-minute, two-hour movie. Yeah. I'll feature doc, yeah. Like at the end of that first episode that we watched, I was like, oh, man, where's this story going to go? This is crazy. And it really, honestly, I don't feel like it added any new elements really for the next two episodes. 
And it kind of did a half-assed version of, of interrogating the whole culture of Bigfoot stuff. Like, I would like to see a doc maybe do what this seemed like it was going to do, which is get really in deep with yeah. the reality of what's going on with big, big Bigfoot culture and Sasquatch culture. And also, like, that as the backdrop to a murder mystery. It seemed really interesting. But it's kind of like that's not really what's going on. Um, yeah. And I think that it would have been a pretty exciting 90 minute, 100 minute documentary if it had been that. Uh, so I'm kind of wondering how this, outside of the fact that maybe it started out as a Hulu project, that that might be the reason why it stayed as a series and never was a movie. But I saw a Q&A where they were talking about how they they considered it, but it seemed like it really needed to be in this format. And I'm I was watching it going, I don't know why it needed to be in this format at all, honestly. <laughs> no. Like the last two episodes even kind of blurred together in my head when I was watching them. Like they didn't seem like concise episodes. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, but I think for someone who could just now go to Hulu and just watch it all, you know, it's it's a it's in the middle of the pack of of these true crime stories that we see, and it's got some really creepy elements. Uh, and and a good like a good setting. The setting of this murder mystery is is a good one. I don't. I cannot remember the name of the um, uh, the Netflix show that was a Humboldt County uh, true crime docu series that was actually better than this. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I feel like it was the guy who made um, Cropsey and maybe something. I'll look it up while you guys are talking. Okay. But um, it, the only other one I was going to mention was. Um whether it's, I guess I'll mention it now because it actually, the pilot was shown at South by was uh, the HBO max series made for love oh, with yeah. uh, Billy Magnuson and, uh, and Kristen Malati. Um, we talked a lot about her when we talked about Palm Springs, mm-hmm. but uh, love her. She's great. Kind of a cool, cool series. I mean, it, it doesn't come out on HBO max until April 1st. So I'd, I'd recommend checking it out. It's basically like, you know, Billy Magnuson um, plays like this tech billionaire who has developed this uh, system called, um, called made for love where like basically two soulmates like get implanted with this uh chip set in their head that basically unite them and sync them together literally for life you know and she plays his uh his wife and who who kind of you know not to spoil anything kind of catches on or becomes aware of um uh maybe some deception in terms of like uh how he's using uh his relationship with her to possibly launch this product and uh goes on the run and you know he's basically trying to get her back and um talk her into coming back and being a part of this product launch it's kind of it's kind of weird it's kind of got like a weird mix of uh of genre it's definitely like you know got some you know the sci-fi elements and you know it's got some definitely some really good comedy in it ray romano plays her father um and uh yeah we we I, I got we got the premiere we got to see at um the pilot at south by and then we were able to check out some more episodes um from hbo max so i've watched the first four and i'm definitely in on this series so uh, that comes out april 1st on hbo max uh, anybody looking to see that made for love murder mountain too, man Murder Mountain. Oh, right, Murder Mountain. Which was Josh Zaman, the guy who did Cropsey and and other... Yeah. And I know people are, are... They vary on his style because he kind of inserts himself into some of his documentaries a little bit, but I don't recall that being a problem with Murder Mountain. It actually is just a cool... Uh, like, the the Humboldt County, the, the growers, and the kind of almost like mafia-like existence of some of those, uh, you know, the farms out there. Um, that's what they, right. that's what they cover. And, uh, you know, I just remember thinking it really gave you a feel for what was going on in that area and what, what the challenges the growers were up against as they might try to go legit. 
um, in a in an industry that might might, might want to stay criminal. So, <clears throat> um, I, I, I think that's really yeah. I saw Made for Love as well. Um, What'd you think? I liked it, man. So the first episode, I was lost. I honestly was, I was like, I'm giving up on this. And then second episode, I'm like, oh, okay, I get what this is about and what this represents. And I don't know, man. I'm I'm in. I'm I'm like really in. I once I once I got the rhythm of it because it it's yeah. it's a little. The first episode's really a little clunky in comparison to the like the the second through the fourth kind of just. You know the the pace of it. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm getting what this is. I'm getting the the the, the yeah. There's the like only like 30 minute episodes too, so yeah. it moves pretty quick. The episodes go by, go by pretty fast. It's a fun ride. Um, what else? Uh, anything else that you guys want to mention before we get off uh, of the South by Southwest? Um, train. One more best summer ever. Forgot to mention that. Oh yeah, it was a musical special needs actors sprinkled throughout the cast um and and i love the way that they did it man like um i i i just love opportunities where you know special needs um actors are just used as just actors you know i don't i i love that it wasn't anything hinting to the idea that they were special needs it was just a cool <laughs> musical that had a lot of funny elements to it that's just a, a a nice love story that was that was done incredibly well that I I would suggest to anybody. Hopefully it it winds up in a place that's accessible to the people. But Best Summer Ever was one of my favorites of the festival. I, I I think I didn't think about it so much because it it just felt like it was on another service already. Like you know, it felt like I'd seen it on Netflix yeah. or something. Yeah, it just was. Right. It's that level. It's ready. It's ready to. It's ready to go. Like it. You know. It's 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 a cool little film so best summer ever yeah i think that's another one i had yeah i i don't have any other shelf by uh yeah that's it for me as well titles that we didn't already mention so yeah i mean um if, if there's anything that comes up you know that we know that any of these movies that we've mentioned that don't already have distribution um we'll definitely circle back and make sure we mention them on the podcast but um yeah, let's move on to let's move on to this uh, this uh, digital theatrical digital. I think they did a mix for this um, for this movie happily that came out last uh, Friday. Um, directed, written, and directed by Ben David Krasinski, um, who I, I know from like the reboot of um, the Are You Afraid of the Dark series on Nickelodeon, mm -hmm. and I know he also wrote um, God, what was that movie called with. Uh, knoxville uh skip trace like a couple years ago not not a good movie at all <laughs> but i mean I, I know his name i follow him i think he's a, a pretty good follow on twitter I, I really like following him um but uh yeah this is a movie that he wrote and directed um pretty awesome cast i mean i didn't really i'd been following it just because he'd been posting a lot about its delay on on twitter but i was excited to see that it was finally coming out for them and for the cast um you got joe McHale. Uh, Natalie Zeke, uh, Paul Shear, Stephen Root, Natal Natalie Morales again, uh, John Daly, Shannon Woodward, Charlene Yee, Brecken Meyer. It's pretty, 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 pretty awesome cast, I think. Um, anybody want to take a shot at describing the synopsis? Give a give a rundown of what this movie is. 
Um, it is kind of a mixed genre thing. Like at at <laughs> at, at moments, you might think it's going for kind of a a date night kind of Palm Springsy kind of feeling where it's like it's about a couple or it's about uh you know it's got like trappings of a romantic comedy but it also has something much darker in a way than those films going on but it also yeah. is throwing so much at the wall that it like I was finishing that movie up and my wife came in and she said is this a romantic comedy uh, <laughs> and I was like well no and she thought I was being difficult because I was like ah no and she's like what kind of yeah. movie was it and i was like well uh and she was like never mind you know and it was like uh yeah you really I was stole like, it i was you like really no I, I wasn't being snarky i was honestly sitting here trying to think of like how can i represent what this movie is without i'm not trying to make it sound like some mind-blowing twisty movie because it's not that either but it, it doesn't to i would say this movie doesn't quite seem to know what it is uh and that would be my sort of my log line and my review of it just a little bit i mean you know there's there's much to talk about there but in general i i think part of my disquiet with figuring out what this movie was was it, it makes me wonder about how well the movie juggles the tones it's juggling or how well it transitions yeah. from one even scene to the next in terms of what you're supposed to be feeling whether you're supposed to be laughing or creeped out or caring about these people um it felt sort of superficial for that reason to me like it never quite landed on a on a on something it was sincerely trying to go for <clears throat> so that was a total non-answer to what this movie is <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man huh? That was that. Yeah, <laughs> that works. That works. Yeah, I think that's I think that's word for word what they have on the IMDb <laughs> and the poster. That's the yeah. yeah, yeah. That I think you just read that right. Yeah, I okay, did, good. actually. That was kind of cheap of me. But even the part about your wife coming. Yeah, in, I don't like, know whose wife that was to. <laughs> I just read what's in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounded like you know those Amazon reviews where you just somebody writes yeah. like a. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife came in and she said, "What kind of movie is yeah. this?" And I said, "I don't know." Yeah. So yeah, it's. But what did you think I, of it, Ronald? I, what did I think of it? I, yeah. One. So. I I had to relax, because I get I get I get really uneasy when I I think sometimes I've been into this thing with movies, especially ones that I'm not too comfortable with describing like this. Is like if I can't put my finger on what it is, I used to abandon the idea of it. Like I'd be like, "Fuck this movie! I don't want to see it. I don't want to. I've, I, I, it's lost me, right?" But I right. relaxed for this one a little more, and and part of it was because there were so many uh, comedic actors in it. Mm -hmm. And once I realized yeah. that, like Char Charlene Yee is it has has only really been in a couple of very serious things. Um, you know, Paul Shear and, you know, a lot of comedic guys, uh, Joe McHale. So, you know, once, once you, once these players come into the mix, I know that I'm dealing with something that's a little like off kilter and, and I relaxed a little bit and I kind of just went through it and I thought it was all right. I, I, I thought it was so fucking weird. I mean, like that's, I, that's really only the only thing I could, Aaron kind of asked me what I thought about it, but it was the kind of, asking someone where you're walking off and you have to look into the person's face. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes you can just ask a question like, yeah, what are we eating tonight? And you're not really looking at a person, but she like came around to me and was like, 
What did you think about that movie? <laughs> like, I liked it. I think she liked it too. But I don't know if you could, you can't sell this movie to somebody. It's really hard to sell to people, especially if they're, they want a straightforward story. They will fucking throw this thing yeah. out of the window. If, you, if you're okay yeah. with it being a little nuts and a little like, like you said, kind of genre bending and I don't know what the fuck this was. It felt like it should have been on Adult Swim. That's what I thought of after I saw it. I was like, this should be on Adult Swim. It's See, fucking weird. My only thing, I, and I think it is it is weird and it is willfully weird, but my only thing is that when the moments that are supposed to be a little bit funny don't land as funny and the moments that are supposed to be a little more thrillery or creepy don't land as quite as creepy because the tones are working against each other, that's when I think there's something amiss with the movie. But in mm -hmm. terms of what you're saying, yes, it was very intentionally, in fact, wearing on its sleeve a little bit, like, isn't this weird? Yeah. Uh, this is something different. And there's even a moment where an explanation seems like it might be about to come, where we're denied that explanation because even the characters don't really care uh, what's really going on here. So I, I think yeah. this movie's playing with that concept of you can't really know what's going on. But I, I there yeah. were moments where I was like, oh, I think that was a laugh. I think I was supposed to laugh at that, but it wasn't feeling <laughs> yeah. like a comedy. And then there were moments where it was like, oh, I think this would be creepy if it were if it were a little bit more... I mean, so it's, I'm not so much like flummoxed by the fact that it was trying to do a lot of different things. I don't think yeah. it did them particularly well because it feels like it is it itself is confused what it's necessarily going for. But I do think casting a bunch of comedic actors was smart because that means that whatever's going on with the tone, they can at least handle it. You know, there's like John Daly usually plays such broad kind of comic characters. This was a kind of, this was kind of a button down performance uh, for him, but he's still bringing that John Daly quality where you look at him and you know, okay, this could, yeah. this could get absurd. Even Natalie Morales, I associate more with comedy than, than anything else. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I and I think just putting comedians in dramatic roles, even aside as a side topic, I think that works a lot for for movies because it does make you think what's going on here. But also, a lot of comedians, we've mentioned this before, the reason they're funny is because they're they're good actors, and and being funny takes yeah. a certain kind of skill set that might make you a good actor. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I feel like overall, like I, I feel like I was pretty, I was pretty positive on it. I think at the end of the day, like Aaron and I watched it. And she was pretty interested in it. I mean, like she had other things to do and she finished the movie with me. And uh, I think it probably starts off stronger than it finishes. It kind of lose, it kind of loses the momentum. Mm -hmm. um, and then like la that last 30 minutes or so. But I think it's an interesting idea. Just the idea of like a perfect couple, basically this, this the, 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 the main uh, couple in the film is like basically seen by their friends and peers as like this perfect couple that is, they're just so in love. They never fight. There's another, you know, they're, intimate multiple times a day and like they just are, have the most perfect relationship in the world it makes everybody sick so you know they kind of alienate them because of that and um you know something happens in the movie that kind of spins that all out it makes the the paranoia the anxiety kind of overtake their relationship and also you know when they're among the friends you know it becomes a situation where it's like this massive like couples therapy type thing both directly and indirectly um in the film but i think in general i thought it was pretty good i think it is it does feel like kind of like a a, a bit of a a long in the tooth like twilight zone episode to me a little bit like that kind of lost a little bit of its focus in terms of the tone i like the idea of mixing up some of the i like some of the like scenes where like they you know she'd come home and like it had the glow of like a rom-com you know like the way it was shot 
you know, it's like, that's when life was perfect for them. And, you know, when he's folding the clothes and everything. <laughs> and then like, as things sort of like derail, there's like these visual cues of like, you know, maybe some instability in their relationship or some, you know, some questions that are coming up. But um, yeah, I, I thought, I mean, I'd probably recommend checking it out. I think it's, it's different enough. And, you know, of what's come out recently, especially, I think it's like kind of a unique movie. Um, but I, I do think it, it doesn't really kind of hit it hard at the end in terms of, you know, what, like, not, not just what's going on. Cause it does, you know, you, you kind of, excuse me, come to understand what's going on, but kind of. I feel like they could, yeah, sort of. But I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. Like you could, I feel like they could have expanded that and maybe kind of done away with some of the, the middle sections of the movie where it kind of started to get a little bloated. Um, and spin out to like some of the other relationships that are kind of really focusing on the main one. I think that's a main thing there is that even though some of the other couples were interesting and some of the other characters were interesting, when it loses focus on them versus the world, right. kinda, it started that's to become it. another thing. And I don't think it retained that, that simplicity of that early idea that you described really does have a hook. The idea of the perfect couple and kind of how much that would annoy people <laughs> was a pretty yeah, good yeah. hook. Um, and in fact, I've, I can be, I, I, that's one of those things you can be on both sides of. I can remember being early in, in my relationship and still at times, sometimes you're around people that are just more cynical than you and you think you'll turn to your significant other and you'll feel like, are we like just a couple of sweetiekins or something? Because we just want to like be together and hold hands and we really like each other's company. Right. And sometimes you're around people who don't, you know, it seems like they've gotten tired of each other or they have such yeah. separate lives and it makes you think like, are yeah. we just like super old is, is it sweet or is it old-fashioned that we don't need much beyond each other that you know yeah. and i think that that does but then there's the other side of it of like if you're not having as much sex as somebody else <laughs> they're always showing up like with a post uh post-coital glow then it's like um i don't know i do think that that that, that part felt like a good bit of observational humor and almost like what's wrong with these people they're so happy together right uh that's a yeah. pretty funny uh, concept. I also think the movie throws in one really dark turn towards the end that I don't know that it knows how to handle. And I don't think yeah, it handles it yeah. very well. And I think it tries to play it off both seriously and as a bit of humor. And the actor that's involved and the way that it comes out, I, it, I, it felt to me like a, it was very close to the end. And you guys must know what I'm talking about. But it was a major speed yeah. bump because I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This movie's not equipped to deal with this subject. This movie has been way too facile no. and kind of you know, uh, like I said, a little superficial uh, to, to, to throw this this detail at us as though it's like, what's this couple's dark secret? Oh, they have this secret. They have this secret. And this is their problem. And it's like a totally different movie um, there. But um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Sometimes that kind of tonal shifting can be a big issue for me these days, it seems, because so often I come up against that uh, with the movie. But there is a lot to enjoy just scene for scene and moment to moment. And I do find myself wondering a bigger question I wanted to throw at you guys, which is just... Is Joel McHale's movie career going to happen? Is it a non-starter? Is there something about this guy? I mean, I was like, going to ask he, you the same thing. He's so thing. perfect. At, like, Community, if you watch Community, you will think there's never been a character and an actor so perfectly formed in the comedy. And the way he holds that show together is so, like, indicates, like, such great comic chops and such good emotional shifting even. But I have yet to see him in a movie where I don't look at him as like, oh, that's Joel McHale. I wonder if he's yeah. playing a guy who hosts a show on cable or something. He just doesn't look like a regular guy, and I don't. Even, I don't even just mean that he's got this ripped bod because he does look ridiculous with his shirt off. But um, I like Joel McHale. I think he actually tries. Me I think too. he's a Me genuine too. actor. But there's something about him that feels. 
I mean, it's an odd comparison, but it's similar to that sort of emotional distance I think people had from Chevy Chase, where it's like this guy's so dry oh, yeah. and so car- so so sarcastic. It's very difficult to just let him be an actor in a world. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I yeah. I, I guess I yeah. throw it to you too. <clears throat> That's actually what I was going to ask you after um, Steve was talking. Like, what what is Joel McHale doing in this movie? Like, there's. If you watch the like a couple of the act, like the first act or the third act, there are points where Aaron was like, is he purposefully being like a robot? Like, is he purposefully mm-hmm. doing this thing where he's like, like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, it's just like, I, 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 I don't know. I like, I like, you know, Community is one of my favorite shows of all time. I, that's, I, I have to establish that. And he is comedically one of my favorite, you know, talk soup and things like that. Incredible. But I watched this movie and wondered why they casted him. That's how weird it was for me. Like, it, 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 I, I sure, aesthetically playing sort of a perfect couple. These two people, the two leads were gorgeous human beings walking around. But what the fuck was he doing, man? Like, I think we could have we could have dialed it down in the looks and gotten somebody who could have handled this comedically, who could have anchored this, the tone of this movie a little better. He's not he wasn't built for it. it, it it's it's like I, see, I I didn't really get that from him. Oh, man, I, I, I actually thought I, I liked him in it. I didn't like him in it. I think somebody else could have could have handled this better, man. I think that- I, I think I liked him in it a little bit more than Ronald did. I, I blame the movie more so than him. But I'm just talking about just in general. There's something about him in movies that feels like it's an odd fit. Like he has yet to break through yeah. to that next level. Like other actors his age, you know, have already had two or three big. Like in that school of comedy, have had their their. He's just one of those leading men who doesn't seem to have achieved leading man status like i still feel like he would be more likely to be cast as like oh he's the jerk boyfriend that the girl has to break up with before she gets with the right what you know what i mean i feel i, I don't think he yeah I, I just don't think he's like a leading man right mm-hmm. i think that's like the when you first ask you like kind of shaking my head like i just don't think he's that guy so okay. i don't think he's that 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 in general i don't so like, community think, would be an aberration you know, I, then for him because that character is like a leading man character that he could be right for then and I think he's right for that because I think it's very in line with who he is. Yes, like dark, I think it's kind of is a lot of a lot of him. Yeah, you know when it's something other than that, you know, which is probably why some of it doesn't work for Ronald because like that's not what he is in this movie. Like he is like, you know, he's you know a stand up, honest, faithful, you know, loving, funny guy. Like he's like just a nice guy, which I mean, I didn't you know again I didn't really it didn't distract me. Um, I think you know I I just like him in general too. Um, but I think I, I almost felt like some of that stuff you're saying, Ronald, like like the robotic nature of him. I almost felt like some of those scenes were like, and this is probably the way thinking into it. Like some of those scenes, like when the character shows up at their house, I feel like he was especially acting like that. Yes. Um, yes. That Joe McHale was like when he's on the couch and when he goes to the kitchen. Wow. I almost felt like those scenes when I was watching them without seeing the rest of the movie. I thought that those scenes were like kind of tells as to something else that the movie was going to be yep. about. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of a, a, you know, that's a point to you. Mm. I think that probably is like a, a, like, but then what John said, I think that's probably a fault to the movie more than him because it's like, I don't know if it's like a misdirection or something, but 
uh, those scenes did stand out to me kind of as just like weird scenes. I don't know in terms of like, just like how he played it because even her actions in that scene are very random and kind of robotic yeah. at times, especially that, that, that wide shot when what happens yeah. happens, it like happens without no, like it's just, it's just random. It doesn't like seem it just, in character weird. for her either. Once you her uh, at yeah. all. Right. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know that he's like a leading man, but I mean, I, I, again, I'll come back and say this one. I, I'd recommend this personally. I think it's uh, especially if you can find it. It's one like, I think it's on all the platforms for like seven or eight dollars yeah. or something. You know, it's definitely worth that watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially to just support you know this cast, the filmmaker who I think is a pretty cool guy. And um, yeah, I don't know. Happily, it's available on demand. Uh, any of the uh, digital platforms you might have access to. Yeah. yeah, and it, at least it's something uh, new. I mean, you got to give it credit. Yeah. A lot of these movies now seem to be kind of throwing in genre elements where they might not have before. It's a way of, it's a way of blowing out some of these kind of like you know that mid level indie movie where you yeah. you've got recognizable faces, but it's not a huge cast, and 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 something like this where yep. it normally would have been almost like a straight romantic comedy or, or drama, dramcom kind of thing. And now there's an extra wrinkle to it. That seems to be kind of a thing that's happening these days. Uh, and yeah, yeah. I, I like to see them embracing it. The weirdness factor of it. Um, there, yeah, there's some, there are some, there are enough moments about that, that, that are, are truly unpredictable that I would say that I think we've done a pretty good job of not spoiling <laughs> what this movie does. Yeah. 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 So Definitely. if you're intrigued, yeah. yeah, there are surprises and it's only like an hour and a half or whatever it is. So it's not like, it's not like it yeah. drags it out. So. Cool. And then the only other one I wanted to mention real quick, like if we kind of just have anything else that we've seen that we want to mention quickly. I know you've seen most of it, John, but Apple TV plus has a series out. It just came out uh, last week, I believe, also called – it's called Calls, C-A-L-L-S. Um, I think it's nine episodes we were talking. Each episode is maybe like 15 to 20 minutes-ish. Mm -hmm. It's really just like audio with captions on the screen and kind of like these wavelength visual uh, – it's audio but visualizer, the movie. That. Remember from the old iTunes? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty it's cool, really actually. Neat. Like, I don't know. I, I, I really was sucked in, especially after the first two or three. I was like, I got to finish this. And I think it helps that it's it, it, they're short, they're quick, they have great there's the voice cast in, in these episodes. I mean, it's, it's across the board, like tons of people that you know. Mm -hmm. Um, every episode has at least three names that you're aware of. Um, but it's, um, again, like, you know, I, the Twilight Zone nature of these stories, um, the sci-fi element, time, travel, loops, holes, weird stuff like that. Um, and some just like human stories, a snapshot of something that can, and how those are impacted by those, those, those kind of genre factors that I just mentioned. But yeah, I don't know. Some of them are really great. And yeah. um, I think uh, I, I, this is a definite recommend for me. If, if, if you can get past not watching something, I, I've seen some re reviews and critics like really tearing it down because it's just like a pod. They're like, it's a podcast. Like, why is this not a podcast? And I mean, I can sure, whatever. But I mean, it is but, visual. There is some visual storytelling. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, with, even is. within that, the, the way the effects are used to tell a little yeah. bit of the story, like there's one story where there's a character who's not appearing on the phone call, but they keep showing up in the background. And when their name shows up, there's it's like it's, right. it is just graphics. But I think the stuff I, I don't know, I found it to be like 
really cool and really creative and a yeah. really neat experiment. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. And in fact, right now I'm working on several product projects that are like theater of the mind. Um, and one in particular where I'm, I'm having to come up with creepy sound designs and like static effects and it's a kind of found footagey kind of thing. And it's like, yeah. it's really, I mean, I've, you know, I've been realizing how much you, you have to do how creative you have to be, what filters you have to combine to design like a neat, creepy sound that doesn't sound like, the same thing you've heard a million times before mm. and yeah, right. the tone and feel of this show it's like right from the start it just puts you in that mind frame like i still sometimes will be on the phone with somebody and i find like that digital phone call quality like it can be very alienating um and uh yeah i think this show does a cool thing i mean i you know i would i, I wouldn't want every show to be done this way but i think this show finds a good way to excuse being uh, a non-visual quote-unquote show by, by having visuals that you kind of can they kind of hypnotize you if you watch them um, but I also think right. even just the text watching the subtitles appear on the screen it has a certain pacing and drama to it um, that I think it would be difficult to just listen to this and get as much out of it um, yeah no I, I I don't know if you had anything else to say about it Steve but I agree I, I would recommend this just yeah it's a um and if it is a factor at all, it's it's written and produced and run and directed by uh, Fede Alvarez, who did like Don't Breathe and the Evil Dead remake. Wow! So um, listen to a couple of podcasts that he's been on, kind of promoting it, and just super interesting guy, and uh, just a really cool. I think it's just a really cool idea, man. Something di again, something different, and an easy thing to do and watch. All nine, I, I I got through a base. I think I did all nine of them like in one sitting. Yeah, you'll want and, to watch uh, the next one after you've seen yeah. one. And there's sort of, you know, I mean, yeah, we're not going to say not to right. spoil it. Yeah. yeah, it's just you want to, you want to, you want to listen to them all. Yeah, there, there, there's something to enjoy at the end for sure. Um, but yeah, Ron, you should check it out. It's called, it's, yeah, you, would, oh. you, I think you'd really be into it when you for sure. When you guys mentioned it, I watched the, so I, spoiler, I'm an Apple fan and I have uh, the uh, HomePod set up, which throw around Dolby Atmos. And, you know, a lot of the shows are optimized right. for that. If you, if you guys have like a, yeah. a solid sound bar, watch Apple stuff, man. Like the the sounds are incredible. So I have the Atmos set up. I watched the trailer and it does this thing where like when when the conversations are happening, they, you know, they switch sides. And sometimes when they like so, pan, yeah, yeah, and then you can hear some of the sounds in the background kind of panning around. Yeah. And that's just in the trailer. So I'm like, I have to watch this show. I'm very excited about it. I'm super excited. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really good. Like I was super into it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Did you guys anything else you guys want to mention that you've checked out in brief? Um, one more thing. As if that's not enough. We, yeah, you and I talked about it, but I'm rewatching um Gangs of London in 4K through the AMC Plus app. Ooh. Just using the tr uh, the wow. the trial, man. Guys, we've talked about this before. There is no show like Gangs of London. And if you if you want to try to try the trial just to watch it in 4K, there is nothing like this show on television. Nothing like I can't compare it to anything. It's like a mafia movie mixed with the best martial arts you can see. It's it's really cool. And I'm falling in love with it again. Yeah, it's so good. So good. So good. <laughs> Gangs of London. All right. Uh, 
So yeah, anybody that wants Ronald's login for his trial of AMT Plus, just let him know. Uh, we'll just contact you directly. We can start sharing his caring. I'll work out like a timesheet, a schedule, so that we can tell yeah. who's using it. Yeah. When, you know. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll spread it We're out. Gonna get sloppy. Um. So yeah, man, that's gonna wrap it up. That's uh, a lot of stuff that we talked about. Again, I think you know South by in general was a great experience for us. And again, if there's anything else that comes out of there in terms of announcements of stuff getting picked up that we did talk about. Or if we get dates for anything that we know you could have access to it, we'll definitely follow up on the podcast and uh, let you know when and where it's available. Uh, I think we all kind of agree. You know, it's, I think Happily is probably worth checking out yeah. if you are looking for something on demand uh, at home, especially if you can get it, you know, for 10 bucks or less. I think it's it's right now at that price point. And uh, if you have Apple TV Plus, definitely check out Calls. Um, I, I, I'm pretty confident uh, in recommending that. John, you agreed. Um that uh it's it's a pretty special little unique different experience uh and like ronald said if you have an awesome sound system which i did watch it in my basement with a nice sound bar it's pretty awesome yeah. like what they do with the sound Ooh. mix and design is like john was saying like the sound design is pretty uh, creative and uh so it's a really cool little little series um but you can find the podcast pod.link slash movie schmovie that'll uh, link you up to all the great different platforms that you could possibly subscribe on you can just follow us on Facebook too, facebook.com slash movie movie. And you can listen to the episodes right there if you want or, or link off to it from there. Um, let us know what you think of the episode there. If you do follow us on Facebook, we're also on Instagram and Twitter, uh, both.com slash movie movie. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, we do have a, a second uh, show that we do called Marvel Schmarvel that comes out every weekend when there's a uh, Disney plus Marvel property airing. And I'm sure when there's a big Marvel movie in theaters or on Disney premiere access, we'll probably do one as well. But, um, you know, we put that out every weekend where we discuss the recaps of the series and we'll be doing episode two of Batman and Winter Soldier this weekend. So subscribe there if you want to hear that, because that's only uh, in video form on the YouTube channel. So you can do that there. And if you're there, you can watch these episodes there, too. Um, if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review, a star rating, anything like that would be great. We'd uh, appreciate that as always. You guys good? Anything else you want to drop in here before we sign out? I think that's it. Not I. Yeah. It's been good seeing you guys. Yes, really. absolutely. It's always nice. It's always nice. Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> look forward to seeing you guys again next week. Yes. Uh, all right, cool. As always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.